1: Hey, welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show built by Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for tuning in with us today. We've got another great show lined up for you. Tony, we have a couple special guests in the studio with us. We are talking with Habitat for Humanity today, one of the best organizations in the country as far as I'm concerned. Well,
2: we're in the Pacific Northwest, and if you're listening to this show, you're in the Pacific Northwest, and if you're in the Pacific Northwest, then you know who Habitat for Humanity is because they are all around us. It is so great to welcome Malia and Tor from Habitat for
3: Humanity. How are you guys doing this morning? Fantastic. Thanks for having us.
2: Awesome. We are so excited to be able to talk to you and really get Habitat's story out because Habitat does amazing things. The partnership between Par Lumber Company and Habitat for Humanity is also amazing. And so we love to share the story.
3: Yeah, so Habitat for Humanity is a very well-known nonprofit, obviously. Uh, Across the United States, we have over a 1,000 local offices or what we call affiliates that serve a local area. I'm with Habitat for Humanity Portland Metro East, and we serve in Multnomah and Northern Clackamas County. We've been here in Portland since 1981. We're the oldest Habitat office on the West Coast in that time we've built over 350 homes and uh, served hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of people which is amazing And a lot of people have heard of Habitat for Humanity. They don't know exactly what we do. They know it has something to do with houses, possibly. Um,
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's there's a lot of misconceptions, too, going along with that.
3: There is. uh, Number one, a lot of people think Jimmy Carter started Habitat for Humanity. He didn't, but he is an awesome guy, and we love him, and he's really helped spread the word. (laughs) Nice. Um, But what we do is we serve um, low-income families with affordable homeownership. Now, a lot of people think that maybe we give the – homes to the families that's not the case they're actually buying the home from us with an affordable mortgage and an affordable mortgage payment so they're doing all the work and as part of that they also partner with us and do 300 hours of sweat equity so they're out yeah it's awesome so they're out on the build site building their home and their neighbors homes so by the time they move into their homes they know all their neighbors and it's a community it's pretty amazing.
2: I think one of the one of the taglines or slogans that have been used over the years, Corey and I have been uh, talking to Habitat for Humanity people is we give a a hand up, not a hand out.
3: That's exactly the case. Nice tagline, yeah, by the I way. I love that. Appreciate I've, that. <laughs> I've always I've
2: always really loved that because it really tells the story, right? You're not giving it away, you're selling it, and you're making them work for it and qualify for it. So they have to be deserving. And they have to uh, and they have to earn it, which is great.
3: Well, and there's a huge need, especially here in Portland, where we're having a huge housing crisis. Um, the last time we did a round of family selection, it was for 12 homes, and we had 429 completed applications. Wow. Yeah, it's it's just uh, really dire here in Portland, um, but it's an incredible opportunity for these families. We partner with families that make as little as thirty thousand dollars a year, and they can buy a home here in Portland. Um, I mean, you can't even really afford rent at that point. Right. In time. Oh, right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's actually um, one thing that's pretty incredible is that right now in Portland, there isn't a single neighborhood that's affordable for the average um, family of color, single head of household to be able to rent and especially not buy. So that's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, that is crazy.
2: I'd say that there is no doubt Portland is a city desperately in need for the help that Habitat for Humanity is giving. And we have seen firsthand the amazing work that Habitat does Uh, on the job site and off the job site. So I'll take this opportunity to ask you, Malia, tell us about the other part of Habitat for Humanity. Tell us about the Habitat for Humanity Restore.
4: So the Habitat for Humanity Restore is kind of a fundraising arm for Habitat for Humanity. There are about 1,000 stores nationwide and I think 50 in Canada. And what the ReStores do is we accept uh, donations of building materials, furniture, appliances, housewares, home goods, Um, and into our stores. We sell the items at discounted prices, and the funds that we raise go back into supporting affordable homeownership opportunities in the community. So um, we like to say the ReStore has a three-part mission. Uh, Number one is to raise money for Habitat for Humanity. Uh, Number two is to keep good reusable materials out of the landfill. Uh, (laughs) 7,767 tons last year, which is pretty cool. Wow. Is
1: that uh, nationwide?
4: That is our four metro stores. Wow. So between our four stores, we have a Vancouver location, uh, Beaverton location, Portland location, and Gresham location. So I mean, imagine that on like a nationwide, yeah, level. that's incredible. 7,000 tons, 7,767. My <laughs> goodness, that is a
2: lot of that is a lot of refuse.
4: It is, it's it's really cool and amazing. Um, to see the kinds of things that people donate. Um, and then the last part of our mission is to be a place in the community that provides good reusable materials um, at discounted prices, quality materials to the public for home improvement projects, yard improvement, um, furniture things like that
2: uh, we can speak to that also firsthand cory and i have bought many many things at habitat for humanity restore and uh the product of there it's not like i want to just separate this a little bit from my experience it's not like goodwill you're not necessarily going there to buy something that's used or old in some cases sure uh, in some cases it's Uh, some old barn wood or something that maybe you were trying to get your hands on. But a lot of times, it's new stuff that's been donated by businesses like Par Lumber Company. Like Par Lumber. Uh, And, you know, we went over there one time and Corey says, oh, look at this shower head. This shower head. It It was a brand new shower head. There was a whole bin full of them. And he said, this is the best shower head ever. And it was like So inexpensive. Yeah, Yeah, five bucks. Yeah, we both bought them. I mean, you know, it was so you just never know what you're going to find. And it's not necessarily used, although oftentimes it is. And that's great, too, because you get such a good deal.
4: And we like to have a good mix of new and used materials. Um, So and really, our business is donation based. So what we have donated is what we carry. So, um, you know, we try to my job in particular, is going out and meeting with businesses and trying to make sure that we have a good mix of all of the things that we want to carry, building materials, furniture, and appliances. Um, But sometimes we end up with some really oddball, unique things as well.
2: Unique, yeah, for sure. Very
4: unique. Like somebody was destroying some tattered old bookshelves that they had uh, that were built in the 60s, but they still had these gorgeous solid wood oak shelves in them that were in perfect condition. Um, so we're going to palletize those and take them in. And I mean, it's nice, solid wood. And hopefully somebody will want to buy yeah, that. Yeah, I'm sure.
2: Uh, absolutely. Corey and I were out not too long ago buying wood for a project. And it, it didn't really matter what type we used. And it didn't even really matter what size. We just needed the, the board footage to create this project. And honestly, if we'd have come across some big slats of solid oak, well, we could have used it. <laughs> yeah, I would have used it. We could have used it for sure. So that definitely is product that gets used and uh, the fact that you're taking the time to turn it into something which kind of brings me to another thing uh the last time we had somebody on the show from habitat for humanity we talked a lot about repurposing yes uh, the bend that was the
1: bend habitat for yeah, humanity yeah the bend
2: one of the things that they did so well there is they would bring stuff in and repurpose it and i think that um they turn not only did they have something that had been used before and amazingly but now they've turned it into something new and it's being used for something completely different so i'll ask you about that as soon as we come back from this break and we'll talk about how habitat repurposes and makes old things new. you're listening to tony and core your weekend warriors don't go away
0: Show built by Par Lumber. Now, here's
1: Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show built by Par Lumber. Thanks for staying with us. Today we're talking with a couple of special guests in the studio from Habitat for Humanity. We've got Tor Ostrom and Malia Tam Singh. Do you go by Malia Tamsing or just Malia Singh?
4: Uh Malia Tam Singh. Malia. Oh, Malia.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I See, know, right? Um, it's terrible, Malia. You yeah. Got it. Sorry, I know somebody named Malia, and that's how they spell it. That's so okay. Like, yeah, interesting. I'm sorry.
4: Don't be sorry. Uh,
1: but Malia, so you're with the Habitat for Humanity Restore in tours with the Habitat for Humanity program. And we, in the first segment, we talked a little bit about what Habitat for Humanity is about and what the Restore is about. But let's really dig in deep. What can you tell us about the Habitat for Humanity Restore?
4: So um, I can tell you that we have a few different programs, um, and each Restore is independently owned or independently operated, so they're all a little bit different. Even our four stores who operate under one affiliate – each store has kind of a different flavor, so I don't. You guys have mentioned that you have been to one of our stores. Not sure or more, multiple. Oh man, we've
1: been to S- several. We for, there was one year here a few years ago. We did the grand opening at the Vancouver store.
2: Yeah, we did a bunch of openings uh, where the new Habitat stores were opening, restores were opening, and we were going for the for the grand opening sale day and and broadcasting the show live from there. Um, Oh, that's that's
4: so fun. Yeah,
2: that's been years ago. We haven't been... You might uh, have been there. Were you at the grand opening in Vancouver?
4: I was, yeah. So
2: we were there too? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Maybe not the same
1: day or time, but we were there. Yeah, it was
2: multiple days, I guess. But uh, anyway, yeah, we've done a lot of that. We've been to a lot of restores. As a matter of fact, before we went to the break, um, we were sort of recalling a conversation that we had with somebody uh, at the Bend location that had uh, been doing some repurposing of some items, which that store really had very uh, eclectic. Yes, they were very dev- artistic. They yes. were devoted to this thing that they did. They had some people there that had all this all this talent and uh they would repurpose like a candelabra made out of a a chandelier a candelabra made out of a chandelier it was very cool i mean it was one of the coolest things
4: so sophie is maybe who you spoke that with is, their retail it's director sophie. sophie is amazing that's exactly and who we spoke to wow nice insanely creative so yeah we see i mean between our staff and volunteers and donors we see not donors so much i guess but customers we see a lot of really cool diy projects um you know it can go like People love salvage lumber. They love it so much. Um, And even in our stores, you'll see like a lot of our cash wraps are built out with salvage lumber. Um, A lot of our store fixtures are made by things that people have given us. Uh, We try to get pretty creative and we try to keep it looking clean, too. You don't want things to look too cluttered. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, we I'm trying to think of the coolest DIY thing I've seen. Um, This guy made a tiki bar. Uh, out of things that he purchased from the store. So he started off, his base was this huge executive desk that we had donated that we were kind of like, and I should say this too, we have very limited capacity on what we can take as far as office furniture goes now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let that be said. <laughs> uh, we we always try to repurpose, but there are some things that are just difficult for us to sell. Uh, so he purchased this huge executive l-shaped desk and use that as his base he bought salvage lumber he just bought all sorts of kind of random odds and ends and hardware and made it into the most amazing tiki bar set up in his backyard uh he did you know rolled bamboo behind it took pictures sent them to us i wish I, i could probably pull one up uh not that that's gonna help us on the radio, but to show you guys later. Yeah,
2: yeah,
4: uh, yeah. You just
2: let the listeners listen to our uh, reaction. Ooh. Ooh, I'll find
4: it for the next segment. <laughs> um, man, but it's it's just really fun to see customers come in, and a lot of times I would say people don't leave with necessarily what they were looking for, but they leave with something that they didn't even know that they needed. Needed <laughs> like yeah. a
1: showerhead. Yeah, right. like a shower like head a shower exactly <laughs>
4: like a shower head like some boards like an end table that you didn't know you needed uh, a well worn in leather chair that is perfect for your den um, you just never know what you're going to find a
2: solid core door blank only that's going to double as a workbench top yes yes i mean We've there's so
4: yeah there's so many things the thing is is
2: you have no idea until you go and walk through and see all of the things you'll never have any idea um, one of the stores that i love really really love is the one that's in forest grove i don't know if you've ever been to the forest grove i have Store, Cabot- restore but it used to be a car dealership and so the front of the store is all glass and so when you drive by you can see right inside there lamps and things that they have that's for sale and it's uh really I feels like it would be a, a big draw for people to they can already see well what's I want to go see what that stuff is well so, and that's our new great.
4: Vancouver location I think if you guys were at the grand opening of our Clark County store mm-hmm. uh, we moved so man it's been about five years I think four years to the Kurt Warner Chevrolet building that's yeah.
1: where we went that's to. where we okay, went. Perfect. that's the one yeah. so you
4: know too same thing yeah yeah car lot um and so, so you big can, yeah, huge, huge doors huge, yeah yes So that store has also seen a lot of change in the past year as well. We have a new manager, and she's really kind of shaken some things up, and it looks amazing in there.
1: One of the the coolest things about the Habitat for Humanity restores is that you really can go – Every other day to see what's new. I mean, you guys put you know <laughs> yeah. new stuff out all the time. Every minute it
4: changes. Yeah. So
1: you could walk in there and just find the most amazing thing. It's like treasure hunting. Yeah. You know, if you're doing a project on your house and you think of something that you might need, or you're planning a project on your house, they have the restore is a really good place to go because you can find things that you can definitely use that might be repurposed or brand new. For a really good price, and you're helping the Habitat for Humanity
2: program. I'll tell you what, I, I, have n- I honestly cannot remember a time that I've walked into a Habitat for Humanity store that I didn't walk out with something. Because the deals are amazing, and the stuff that's there is always stuff you need. It's not like, it's not like uh, you go there and say, I don't need any of that stuff. Everything that's there is something that you need whether you need it now or tomorrow or, you know, yesterday. It's at least usable. Yeah, I'm just saying it's that (laughs) stuff. It seems like it's that stuff to me.
4: So I actually, I got my start in a store and I no longer work in a store. I work out of our development office. And my husband would tell you that it is, He's so happy that I am not in a store anymore because every day I would come home with something that he's like, we do not need this. And so it got to the point where I was hiding stuff under our guest bedroom bed. (laughs) He found my stash. He's like, you have a problem. Made me donate it all back and really like made sure that I wasn't bringing stuff home every day. But you can't feel bad about it. You're you're supporting a good cause. I think
2: that uh, the difference between need and not need is your level of creativity. If you're walking in there and you're like, You know what I can do with that? I need that. I really believe that it's something that I need as opposed to just something that I want. Corey has a little different way of looking at things. He's just more analytical. He thinks more analytical than I do. I'm a I'm a reactionary buyer. <laughs> I see something that I like, it's something that I need. If I like it, I need it. That's all there is well, to I it. Well, I face
1: the consequences, too, if I bring something home. You know, what is that for? <laughs> Where are we going to keep that? Doesn't
4: matter. It was cheap. So <laughs>
3: <laughs> we're good to go. Needed that lobster tank. Yeah, <laughs> totally.
4: Well, and when you start running out of hiding places, that's when you know you're in trouble. <laughs> you just need to start
3: making stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe that's a thing. We all start like an Etsy page and we, you know... Build things out of Habitat for Humanity, restore stuff, and resell it.
2: Yeah. Do you ever find that you, the people that you're building homes for, um, that they, there's an opportunity for them to come and work or volunteer in the restore? Do you find that people you have done for feel a sense of obligation to come back and be a part of the program even after they've uh, done their thing and gotten completed?
4: Absolutely. Yeah.
3: Yeah, the families do 300 hours of sweat equity. And as part of that, they're out on the build site as well as at the restore. So they're really interacting with both branches of, um, of the office, which is very cool. And so they also are able to down the road, maybe 20 years later, and they want to redo their, uh, their bathroom or their kitchen or something, they can purchase supplies from there. And they have the skills from the volunteer work they've done on the build site, which is pretty cool.
2: Oh, yeah, there is a lot of skills that you can get from that. Corey and I have both also learned a lot. We have both also been out to a job site and swung a hammer and helped uh, with the actual construction process, as well as walking through new construction and then relaying that to the radio show and talking about what they're doing on the radio, which we have always really enjoyed. We need to talk some more about that as soon as we come back from this break. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your Weekend Warriors, and we'll be right back.
0: Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back
1: to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. If you haven't already, go check out our Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Pinterest. Pinterest. We're all over, and uh, we're at WW Home Show. We're also recording the show right now. It's going to air on YouTube on our video podcast. So uh, if you're listening to the show and you want to go watch it, go check that out. Uh, today we have Tor in Malia. Malia. <laughs> good, job, good job. From the Habitat for <laughs> Humanity uh, Restore and the Construction Division Tor. Um, before the break, we were talking about the Restore and some of the materials that you guys bring in. I guess I had a question about that. Where do you guys get a majority of your things? Is it people driving up if they have... Are they recycling things? and they think that it could be potentially, you know used at the restore? where do you get your materials?
4: That is a great question. Uh, we get our materials a few different ways. Uh, one of the ways, like you were saying, is to drop them off at the store. So all four of our Metro stores accept drop off seven days a week from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. You can just drive right up. Staff will come out and give you a hand. They will inspect the donation. So everything is taken at the staff's discretion. We do have a set of guidelines on our website that people can check out. They can call in as well to see, you know, hey, do you think that You might be able to accept this Mm -hmm. before you drive all the way out, Um, but yeah, we unload it out of your vehicle, put it onto a cart, roll it into the store. Uh, For items that are too large to fit into your personal vehicle, or maybe you know you have a whole entire garage full, which that is something that happens, you know, unfortunately, you know, sometimes somebody passes away or they're downsizing or moving, um, and they just don't want to take that garage full of tools with them or that shed full of lumber. Which is great; Uh, they can give our donation hotline, a call, and set up a pickup. So we do have box trucks that go out seven days a week. Um, the pickup service is $20 for residential pickups, but we also have a free business pickup service as well. So uh, And the one other way that we get materials is through our deconstruction services program, our salvage services. It's amazing. They are licensed and bonded. Uh, you give them a call, they'll come do a walkthrough. And we typically do... Um, smaller kitchen and bathrooms. Uh, We can also do full house skims where we come through and cut out the doors and windows and trim stuff that's still in good condition. Uh, We take out a lot of cabinets um, and again, work with contractors and individuals. So there is a fee, small fee uh, for our guys to come out, remove the items, um, take them to the store for resale. And then you have a clean slate to start over with (laughs) <laughs> with a, you know, for your contractor, your remodeler to, to come in and, and do the work for you.
2: What an absolutely amazing idea. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm thinking right now back to my kitchen remodel that I did. And uh, on my kitchen remodel, I had to tear all that stuff out myself. Yeah. And
1: those cabinets weren't that old. No, they were pro- they were very usable, reusable, I, I would mean, say. Yeah,
2: I, I put some of them up in my garage, actually. But a lot of that stuff, the countertop and the cabinets and... Uh, the appliances? Man, I wouldn't. I didn't even think about that. What a great thing. You could have just called them up and they could to come out and, you know, deconstructed my kitchen and hauled that stuff off and sold it to somebody. And then my space would have been ready already. Is there a fee for the deconstruction service?
4: There is a fee for the deconstruction service, and it depends on the the scope of the job. So really, it starts at about $400, but that can also, if it's a really tiny job or... I don't know. I, I can't speak to his fee too much. Uh, he would need to come out and do a walkthrough to, to really assess. Sure,
2: absolutely. I, would, I wouldn't I would expect anything less than that. You bet. You have yep. to know what you're getting into. Corey, and I understand that as, as well as anybody. When, you know, every job's not created equal. Right. You need to know what you're getting you into. You need to get eyes on it. Go out there and take a look at it and see what the situation is.
4: But I will tell you, they are... Super professional. They leave things just beautifully clean. They're careful. You know, they're not going to come through with a dolly and ding up your walls. They <laughs> yeah. do a great job.
2: Yeah, that's that's very cool. I would never have guessed that Habitat for Humanity Restore had the ability to go out and pick uh, pick up something like that or even take something apart and bring it back. That is, uh, that's awesome. Well, if you think about
1: waste in general and, and all that material ending up in the landfill, for instance, you said seven... Seven thousand tons. Seven
4: thousand seven hundred. Seven sixty-seven. And
1: sixty-seven. So I did the math on that. That's about three hundred and fifty semi truck loads of material. To put that wow. into perspective, that's a lot of material. That is a lot of material. And by I mean I know for a fact I've done projects and I've gotten a dumpster and I tell you right now a dumpster is seven eight hundred bucks. Yeah. Just to have it out in your you know, driveway, and then you're throwing all that material in there. and It's just going away versus paying the same amount of money to have somebody take it away that can be reused somewhere. Right. And I know that probably a majority of the remodel projects that are going on in my area, it's totally reusable. It's just
2: dated. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I agree with that completely. There's so much. Well, you know what they say. Right. One man's garbage is another man's treasure. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, that's it could not possibly be more true because of the because of the difference between the people that are buying really expensive things way up here and the people that are using less expensive things down here. Right. Everybody's it's a broad scale. Yeah. And so if people up here are like, yeah, that's not how I've had that installed for two years already. I don't get rid of that. You know, yeah. And that's exactly what we're talking about.
1: You made mention of business. Now, what do you mean by that? If, if, if there's a business out there that's donating materials?
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lots of business partners. Lots of great business partners. So, um, for example, we have a company whose name I did not clear before coming on here, so I won't <laughs> say what their name is. But every Wednesday, they give us about 10,000 linear feet of trim and molding wow it's brand new it's just stuff that's maybe been returned or is has some slight damage to it or is just misordered um so we pick up a skid of new trim every wednesday which is amazing and we also get businesses who are closing down their office um and maybe they have some household type furniture that we can come get or some appliances um I think we can say that Rejuvenation is one of our greatest business partners uh, They, since they announced a national partnership <laughs> with the ReStores. Awesome. Um, and a couple times a year, they give us about 20, 15 to 20 pallets of furniture, hardware, really high-end, really nice stuff um, that's left over from a sample sale. Or again, it's just overstock stuff that they're not moving. So um yeah, I mean we take all donations big and small so it doesn't necessarily have to be something um that large, but those are some of our our great business donors.
2: What kind of what kind of um skills do you require from the people who want to come and volunteer at the restore? What kind of skills are required for an entry level position or are there opportunities for people to volunteer work that have
4: more skills? Absolutely. Um you show up with a good attitude and uh, <laughs> the ability to pass a background check. Requirement <laughs> number
2: 1 and 2. Okay, you are good. We're working good. with
4: the public. Um oh my gosh, we have so many volunteer opportunities and really rely on volunteer help. Uh, they're some of our, you know, they're a, an appendage of our staff, really. So, um we have cashiering opportunities, opportunities to help um receive donations. Customer service, having somebody greet and help people find stuff, and just engaging with customers and kind of helping them around the store, but also maybe giving them ideas. Oh yeah. Things that they can that they can build. And and it's a really it's a four hour time commitment is the the minimum time minimum.
1: Time commit. know I think we understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Minimum amount of time that you can donate is four hours.
2: Yeah. Well, you don't want somebody popping in for thirty minutes and be like, "All right, I'm out." Yeah. I mean, yeah. You want to have a minimum amount of time so that they can become familiar, get some quality work done. Right. And I, I totally understand that. And we have people that work for Par that we rely on. All of our people that work for Par that we rely on to have some experience in our industry. So that when customers come in, they can ask them questions. How does this work? Right. Where would I find something that I could do this with? Or, you know, what is like this, but but does a different job or, you know, whatever. And so, yeah, that like kind of somebody coming
1: in and talking about maybe a project that they're working on. You know, I'm doing a bathroom remodel and have a a person be able to take them to, you know, plumbing or, or you know, furniture that related to a bathroom
2: and help them understand maybe how it works even yeah
4: oh and that's so helpful when we get those volunteers in as well
2: all right we gotta take another quick break. we'll be right back don't go away you're listening to tony core your weekend warriors hang in there
0: to the weekend warriors home improvement show built by par lumber now here's tony and Corey. hey welcome back to the weekend warriors home
1: improvement show thanks for staying with us today in the show we're talking with tor ostrom in malia or malia and i did it again (laughs) malia tamsing with the habitat for humanity company I even I even phonetically spelled it out. Um,
2: Habitat for my men, friend Restore. B-
1: yeah. My friend Malia is probably listening, and she's <laughs> going to give me so much crap. Uh, but we're talking your friend
2: Malia, <laughs> Malia. Thank you. <laughs> See, I'm all messed You're gonna up. You're going to start
4: calling her Malia. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> that's fine. You know what? Because we're all friends here, and everybody knows Corey's not I'm trying to be. Uh, uh, <laughs> anyway, this is uh, this is so much really good information that's coming out of this show, and I absolutely love it. Um, I want to just take a real quick second and and talk to Tor um, about the same thing I kind of was asking Malia about. What kind of experience or or I don't know skills does somebody need to have to come out and volunteer on the job site? I mean that can be it's seemingly a you know some a safety hazard, not a hazard,
3: a safety concern, right? Yeah, well, thankfully, uh, we have an impeccable safety record. Um, our volunteers don't need to have any experience whatsoever. We do task-specific instruction every day, and we find something for people of all different abilities. Um, a great example is we had a volunteer a few years back that turned 100 years old and celebrated on the build site with us. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. It um, is Waldo. incredible. <laughs> Waldo. Oh, he was Waldo. the best. He was. Um, but yeah, we have people of all different experience that are out there. I mean, we have people that are retired contractors that have a very high skill set. And then we have volunteers as young as 16 that come out and you have to show them which end of a hammer to pick up. <laughs>
2: yeah, so
3: nice. um, we really are just looking for people to come out with a positive attitude, closed-toed shoes, and just willing to take direction. Um, last year we had over 3,000 volunteer shifts that were filled. So the community really rises up to support us, which is fantastic. That is amazing. What about tools? Tools. So people are welcome to bring their own tool belt, hand tools, just not their own power tools. You know, we provide all the different tools and protective gear. You're going to be wearing a hard hat, which looks really cool for your Instagram photos. Yeah, (laughs) Um, You can pose with the power tools that we provide. So you always learn something new. That's one of the things I really like about it. I've been uh, with Habitat for eight years. I worked construction in college, um, but I didn't learn how to put end caps on the rotary girders or whatever we're doing that day. So you're going to find something really cool. You're going to pick up some practical skills that you can take home and Uh, remodel your kitchen or build a uh, shed studio.
2: Yeah. And you're going to know most importantly in your heart that you, what the time that you spent was rewarding because you're helping people who can't help themselves. And that's really what it's all about, right? There's, there's so much, there's so much positive that comes from donating your time and your effort and your money, if that were the case. Um, But there's so much reward that comes from that. I feel like in my life, over the years, it's been so hard for me to come to terms with that. You know, you go to the coffee shop and you pay for a coffee, right? And there's a tip jar right there. And you think, I'm going to donate a dollar to the tip jar. But you wait for them to look out the window so that they're looking at you when you put it in. <laughs> Doing that for the wrong reason. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There was a, there uh, was a Seinfeld skit about that, <laughs> yeah. wasn't there? But later, George Costanza. as an older man, I realized the I realized that the reward for donating is not for somebody to notice that you've done it, of course. And I know I'm I'm saying something that everyone knows, but for me, it was a, you know, 15 or 20 years ago, it was a leap. It was a big deal for me.
3: Well, that's one of the things that really um, was really cool for me when I started with Habitat. I knew the families that we partnered with were going to be excited about getting their home. They might be the first person in their family to have that. But when I started getting to know some of the families, the biggest piece of feedback I got was that when they go out on the build site and there's all these volunteers from the community helping build their home, they feel so supported, And some of these people are coming from, you know, a difficult situation. And to have that support means the world to them.
1: Yeah. You know, in one of the uh, things that Tony and I've both been to are the I don't know what you'd call it.
3: Forecast
2: breakfast or something like that. Well, that too,
1: but no, I was talking about the, like the dedication ceremony where they hand over the keys to the new homeowners and you had to meet them and and listen to their stories. Do they do that for
3: every home? Yeah. So we usually do it in um, kind of chunks. So phases of construction. So actually this Saturday, um, December 7th, we're holding a home dedication for eight families in the Coley neighborhood. It's the second phase of a 15 home development. Um, So there's going to be 15 families there. And it's just a real special opportunity. I mean, the families are so excited, but I think all the volunteers and the Habitat staff are every bit as excited for them because yeah. we've been on this journey with them for you know ten months or a year. It's really incredible, and you know the kids all know each other because they've done potlucks and gone to classes together and built together. So they're running around in a pack and raising hell. It's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: I I think where I thought you were going with that last one was Corey and I have been to a lot of those uh, forecast breakfasts uh, with Habitat for a where people will come up and say a few words. I got my Habitat for Humanity home built 20 years ago, and now I have this role in the company. And then the next person will come up. Mine was 15 years ago, and now, since then, I've helped build, you know, 42 houses. Mine was five years ago. I just love that you just see them coming from, you know, a line of people that are, not only have they uh, been able to benefit from the program, but then turned around and dedicated their lives to do the same thing for somebody else, which is the way, I mean, that's what America is built on, right? Yeah.
3: And home ownership is so important. Oh, it's, it's incredibly important for these families and the homes that Habitat builds here in Portland are amazing. Um, Actually three years ago, we went out and surveyed over 350 families that we'd already served. And what we found is that the graduation rate for um, kids that grow up in one of our Habitat homes is 19% higher in the Multnomah County average, Wow. which is a huge improvement, and a lot of that's just from the stability of you know not having to bounce around, moving houses because right. your uh, landlord decides they want to raise rent too much, or it's just not safe to be there anymore. So, right, right. Um, there's also a lot of health benefits. You know, in Portland we have a lot of liquid sunshine, so there's a lot of homes that have mold that aren't well built. Um, so we really take that into account when we build our homes and do a really great job with that.
1: One of the most amazing things to Tony and I were several years ago, we went to a subdivision, a Habitat for Humanity subdivision that was being built. It was a LEEDS program. It, yeah. Was it in Hillsboro? I feel like it was in Hillsboro, maybe, where they were building all of the houses LEED certified. I think they were LEED Platinum. Yeah. LEED Platinum.
2: Yeah. lead, or lead, platinum. <laughs> yeah. They lead were... Gold
1: or LEED Platinum. Anyway, this program... Uh, are you you're familiar with LEED Certified? Yeah,
3: certainly. Um, we right now, the homes we're building are uh, built to Energy Star standards. Right. So we're really making sure that these homes are affordable both to purchase and then to live in afterwards. Because a lot of families are coming from situations where they're paying incredible heating bills because they're not in a well-insulated apartment. Um, so that's something that we really think is important. And the energy efficiency is something we really take into account with the different appliances and everything that we put in. So it's we're taking the environment into account so that we can live up to the standards of the restore, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> well, we literally did a show last week on how to save money and uh, stay warm in the winter and reduce your energy costs. So I mean, that's that kind of yeah. really hits home for us. It really does. But like again, the subdivision uh, lead certified. If there, our listeners don't know what that it is, it's leadership in uh, environmental or energy efficiency, efficiency and design, right? Lead, yeah, lead certified, L <laughs> E E D, something like that. But they, uh, what it is, is it's um, a method of construction that is built to a very high level of energy efficiency. The so highest, you'll see, really. You'll see two by eight construction in the walls with extra thick insulation. You'll see a triple pane, really low U value windows. The the really high efficiency heat pump in there. High heel trusses. High heel trusses with just insulated galore. And they say that the energy bill for these houses in the middle of winter is like. 20 bucks. Yeah. 30 bucks. It's incredible. Very nearly net zero homes. And
2: Habitat for Humanity built an entire subdivision of these homes. And not only that, but it was on a time frame. They had to have it done in a very specific amount of time. And there were Habitat uh, volunteers and professionals crawling around that place like ants. They were just everywhere. Yeah, there was a professional
1: contractor. And I don't recall who it was, but the professional contractor was there. Really doing everything. They they whipped that project out, and it was amazing. Amazing. It sounds it was,
4: like a, a home builder's blitz, almost. I
2: think it was. It was a That's blitz. exactly yeah. what it was.
4: The blitz builds are really fun. It was absolutely. Crazy. Uh,
2: yeah, it was crazy. There was a lot. It was a hotbed of uh, of things that were taking place there while we were there.
1: But in general, to build so highly energy efficient, um, to to ensure that the people moving into that home can afford it for the lifetime, you know, you when... You're a young homeowner. I, mean, I remember when I built my or bought my first home. You move in and you don't think about the the gas bill and the electric bill and the water bill and all those things that Property come in taxes. and you're like, oh man, I forgot about <laughs> these. You know, they you know, you sat down at the table and they tell you what your mortgage payment is. And that's really all you think about until you get in there and realize that there's all of these other things. And when you can have an energy efficient home where your those build are bills are minute in comparison.
2: It's crazy. Yeah, it's absolutely. And the the depth of benefit that a homeowner will have that they get from Habitat for Humanity is uh, is so great and but even better because they worked hard for it. They they had to sweat and they had to work and then when it's done, they want to do more. We're going to talk more about that when we come back. You're listening to Tony Core Your Weekend Warriors. Don't go away.
0: To the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have got the know how and the answers to make your life just a bit easier. Now, here's Tony and Corey.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for sticking around with us. Today, we're talking about Habitat for Humanity and the Habitat Restore. Uh, We've got Tor Ostrom and Malia Tam Singh in the studio with us. I pronounced it correctly. (laughs) Thank you so much. Uh, But yeah, so we're talking, before the break, we were talking a lot about uh, the Habitat for Humanity program. What are some other things that, is just amazing about the program.
3: Well, I think one thing that we really try and do is set these families up for success. Um, You know, they're working so hard for this opportunity that we want to make sure that they're really prepared. So we have a whole series of educational classes that the families go through. So they're learning about um, financial fitness, um, budgeting, how to be part of a homeowners association, um, how to maintain their home, which is really important after they've moved in. They They need need to to listen to our show. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Exactly. That's actually going to be a new class. Um, we're going to have weekend warriors come in and, uh, teach every Saturday. I like (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's, it's amazing because the families learn so much through this process that, you know, it's not the kind of stuff that we necessarily learn in school anymore. So um, they're really getting set up for success. And then we also have a bunch of fun classes that we do too. So like I might swing by the office on a Saturday and 30 people potting plants or building hanging um, baskets. So those classes are actually, um, some of them are going to be open to the public, and people can find that on our website at HabitatPortlandMetro.org.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah, I was thinking about that. When we were talking about this during the break because, you know, I'm pretty sure the last time I heard this statistic, the, the Habitat for Humanity homeowners, their rate of default on their loans is unbelievably low.
3: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's actually incredible. It's way lower than the average for the country. Um, I think we have a default rate of less than 1%. That's incredible. Um, So that's, yeah, that's pretty good. We're uh, pretty happy with that number. And a lot of it's, you know, the families have worked so hard for this opportunity that they're going to take full advantage of it. Um, You know, they want to stay in that home and raise their their families and then have their kids raise their families there when they've passed on. So we see these families stay um, in their homes And really set their family up for success. It is
1: incredible because if you think about the reasons people default on their loans, right, it's they don't know how to save money or they don't know how to uh, plan for the future or maintain their homes. They might buy a house and let it go into disrepair. And then all of a sudden, oh, man, I got to spend $50,000 on this thing because it's dilapidated and falling apart. And well, I'm not doing that. Default. You know, it just happens. And it happens to normal people that just don't know what to do. Right. Like you said, they don't teach that stuff in high school.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And that actually leads me to another part of our program that many people don't know about. When people think of Habitat, they think of us building new homes, um, maybe repairing older homes and giving those to a Habitat family. But a new program that we started just a few years ago is Exterior Home Repair. Um, so this is for generally lower income people that maybe they can't afford to put a new roof on their house or they just need their lawn cleaned up because they no longer can physically do that. Um, so that's a problem uh, prog- project that we actually started in the Coley neighborhood as part of our partnership with Living Coley. But we're expanding that citywide. So maybe you need your siding worked on. Or I, I go back to the roofs because we're doing a lot of those, and that's such an important part of the building envelope. But you can find more information on our website. I'll say it again, habitatportlandmetro.org. Okay,
2: okay. Yeah, Is uh, I, I was just going to speak to the home maintenance part of the education you were talking about and how important that is. Corey and I devote 52 weeks a year to teaching people how to maintain their home. The most important things about your home that you need to know – as a basic homeowner, to keep your house from falling apart and protect the investment that you've made there. So that, that is, that is so huge. It's such a big deal that you share that, that information because homeownership is something everybody wants and nobody's ready for it. The first time (laughs) everybody wants it and nobody's ready for it. That simply is what it is. Yeah. Because you start to need it at such a young age and you haven't, you just haven't prepared. Just haven't.
1: The, uh, we, we talk about this all the time because it's the basic things that are, don't cost anything that get neglected the most. So
2: yeah, the simplest things, cleaning out
4: your gutters, changing your air filters. (laughs) Yes. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Video about that. Yeah. Just, just, yeah. (laughs) Or or not, you know, not insulating around your pipes and then ultimately having something break, which costs thousands and thousands. Yeah. Crazy, uh, things.
1: Let's talk a little bit. Let's go back to the Habitat Restore. Uh, we talked a lot about donations earlier. Is, it, you said that you do deconstruction services, the pickup services, if people have things. Um, we had mentioned before, or maybe we talked about this during the break, but if businesses want to donate, if they have materials you know, in their warehouse, or if they're a company like Par Lumber Company that might have overstock of something, or dead stock that's been sitting around... How would they get to donate? Do they contact you, or how does that work?
4: Absolutely. I'm going to go out on a limb and give you my cell phone number. It is my work (laughs) cell phone number, 503-715-7706. You can contact me directly, and I would be happy to talk with you about your donation and figure out how we can work together and how we can partner. Um, The other way that you could schedule uh, a business pickup or— uh, submit a donation inquiry would be through our website which is separate from tours <laughs> pdxrestore.org. so either way would be a great way to get a hold of me
1: is there materials that you would decline
2: you yes. did mention you did mention some office furniture is not as difficult for you to sell so you're not st- stocking up on that
4: Right. So, you know, really oversized furniture. Unfortunately, we've recently had to stop taking in oak entertainment centers because cuz there's
2: a million of there's them There's a million of them and it's it's sad even
4: when things are in great condition sometimes we do have to decline them because if we can't sell them then ultimately we have to pay to dispose of them. Right. So um you know things that are we mostly take things in that are in good cosmetic and structural condition um, there's a pretty comprehensive list uh, of our guidelines through our website pdxrestore.org. Um, but then there're Definitely some things that, you know, use mattresses and box springs. People just don't buy them. Um, they're freaked out by them. Of course. I kind of yeah. get it. I'm Ooh. freaked yeah, out by them. Right. Um, like so sleeper sofas and hide-a-beds, um, hazardous materials. Um, you know, we try not to be too picky, and we definitely want to accommodate our donors, but we do also need to make sure that our money is going towards building habitat homes and, and not paying for the cost of disposal. You know totally. what
2: I feel like? Nobody wants mattresses. Literally, nobody, nobody wants mattresses there. We should open a business, Corey. <laughs> Selling ma- used mattresses Well, no, nobody wants. <laughs> we know what I'm saying. That's a great business idea. Killing me. We need to develop a use for the materials that are in them. Oh, okay. In okay. an efficient way. To break that down and and use it. So then we open a bit. We just, that's it. We just take in old mattresses and then we turn it into something Uh, phenomenal. Composite decking (laughs) or something.
4: Oh, I like that idea.
1: So uh, I actually have uh, an interesting thought. In about 10 to 15 years, they're going to stop taking in shiplap. I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, and barn doors, barn doors, and, shiplap and ves- will be.
2: and vessel sinks. This is going to be
1: over. No more vessel sinks. Overpopulating their yeah. stores.
4: It is funny how that happens. You yeah, <laughs> have way too much of something or way too little. So we spend a lot of time. Flow. We,
2: we spend a lot of time talking about trends too that, that go out of style. But we got to take a quick break. When we come back, more habitat If You Listen to Tony and Corey. Your weekend worst. We'll be right back.
0: Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today, we're talking with Tor Ostrom and Malia Tamsing from the Habitat for Humanity Company. It's not really a company, right? It's more uh, of an, an organization. Nonprofit. Yeah. yeah, nonprofit. So we're learning a lot about that. Uh, if you haven't already, go check out our social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We're at show. You can go to parr.com, P-A-R-R.com. Click on the Weekend Warriors link. Tony and I's information is on there. You can also listen to our podcasts on, uh, we're we're on Apple Podcasts now, uh, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. So you can go search the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, and we come right up. That's
2: essentially like saying it's available everywhere. <laughs> It's yeah, well, you know, available everywhere, everywhere. If you want to listen to this show every single week, we would love that.
1: Yeah, we would absolutely love that. Podcast, we, baby. You know, po- podcasts. Do you know anything about podcasts? Do you guys listen to podcasts? Only Weekend Warriors. S-
4: Oh, yeah. Only Weekend Warriors. I listen to podcasts oh, all day, every day. did you day, listen to our day. show two
1: weeks ago? What was it about? Tell me. Yeah. Motorization. <laughs> no, I'm kidding.
2: <laughs> it's pretty close. Yeah,
4: air, changing really. your air filter. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> Again, absolutely spot so on. So close. I believe that you guys really did listen. But uh,
1: podcasts are huge. We had no idea. We, we've been doing this show for going on nine years, and we never really focused on the podcast aspect, aspect of things until this year. And then we go and look at the analytics, and it's they're so
2: big. People listen to our show. And we I thought it was just Tony's mom. Yeah, <laughs> we did, honestly, until we went to the analytics, and there's thousands and thousands of listens, and we were like, What? Yeah, it's crazy. It's so, crazy. We enjoy we really realize now people will listen to anything. <laughs> <laughs> to anything.
1: And our in our YouTube people will watch anything because we're getting some pretty good views on that. Yeah, so absolutely. Um, anyway, so we're talking about Habitat for Humanity. You know, one of the things that we were talking about during the break was the Hope Builder Breakfast. What is that?
3: It is only the best event in town ever. <laughs> is it the best <laughs> breakfast? Uh, yeah, so there's a number of different ways that people support Habitat. Obviously, we've talked about volunteering, which is a huge, the important part of our program. Um, But, you know, it turns out that it's actually really expensive to build homes. Uh, You have to buy all the supplies and everything. Well, in
1: land alone. Yeah,
3: exactly, which is not cheap in Portland. Right. Um, So we have two signature events that we do every year, the Hope Builder Breakfast, which is coming up April 29th at the Oregon Convention Center. Mm -hmm. Um, Sponsorships for that are available now. Uh, Par Lumber is a sponsor. Uh, You can find information on our website, uh, habitatportlandmetro.org. Um, so we'll have this year we can only take sixteen hundred people at the event um, so it's sell it's gonna sell out really fast. Um, we'll be, Uh, putting out individual tickets for availability in January, but um, there'll be information on our website about that. Um, And one of the important things about the event is there really isn't a cost to attend, but a lot of people will make a donation at the event. So we're hoping to raise over a half a million dollars for affordable homeownership.
2: Yes. Wow. That is incredible.
3: Well, and that leads me to one other thing. Um, I do know that people this time of year are often deciding where they want to donate their funds at the end of the year, what charities they want to support. Oh, yeah. I know a really good one. It's uh, called Habitat Portland Metro East. Um, So they can just visit our website and make a donation there or through the Willamette Week Give
2: Guide. Wow, yeah, that is a great tip. And I know that that is true, especially around the holidays. People are really thinking about how they can give back because they're thinking about giving, a lot of giving at this time of year. And so uh, that's very timely information. Um, Corey and I have been to... The builder breakfast. I called it a forecast breakfast, but it's a a builder breakfast. And it's so emotional. I mean, how emotional is that? You guys already know because you're there all the time. But uh, I, we've loved it. Absolutely loved it. And if you are not compelled to give something by the end of that, uh, th- then you're there's something wrong with you. <laughs> and, and you need to get a checkup. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's great. It's super great. And some um, huge success stories and just an, a, a complete understanding of how things go. And you are surrounded by people. Uh, in that at that breakfast, who are there because they want to be a part of the program, which is absolutely amazing. Heartstrings. Heartstrings. If yeah.
4: you don't cry, there is something wrong with <laughs> yeah. you. You're right. Stone, Stone cold. You yeah. Just...
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, tell us about. I mean, I heard in some conversation during uh, the break between the two of you something about Global Village, and when you said Global Village. I saw an aura, like your your eyes lit up, and there was so there must be something really amazing going on surrounding that name. Tell us about Global Village,
4: so Global Village, I'm actually getting ready to co-lead a trip to Ethiopia uh, next month in exactly one month from now, which is kind of crazy. Wow. yeah. so um Habitat builds internationally. And uh, one of the affiliates, one of our sister affiliates, or Tithe affiliates, is in Ethiopia. So uh, I have the opportunity to lead a group of 15 people, along with my co-leader, Lauren, who's amazing, Um, and we're going to go build in another country. And so kind of just get to be immersed in a community, um, building, using their building practices, which will be much different than here, um, and just really getting to know some homeowners and and some communities, and I'm really excited about it. So there's lots of different opportunities. Uh, We have a closed group, um, so it wasn't open for other people to sign up. We kind of hand-selected our group. But you can go to um, habitatforhumanity.org, habitat.org? Habitat.org. Habitat.org and see other Global Village opportunities. They're all over the place. Uh, We also tithe to El Salvador, uh, so I've taken a couple trips down there, but this is my first time leading and it's gonna be a blast.
2: Wow I don't even know how you're wrapping your head around going to Ethiopia that sounds like uh, it sounds like an unbelievable opportunity
4: I don't even I can't believe it's a month away and I'm <laughs> kind of freaking out a little bit <laughs> in a good
2: way It really
1: is interesting how different construction is from continent to continent even from state to state in the United States being here in the Portland Metro area, we have a lot of you know, earthquakes, seismic things that we deal with. So the construction side, a lot of engineering and steel goes into residential construction versus somewhere like probably Ethiopia, where it's completely different. The climate's different. Uh, so I would love to learn Yeah, that aspect.
3: I had the opportunity to go on a global village t- trip to the Dominican Republic, um, where there's an incredibly high need for homes, but um, the style of construction was very cool. That's obviously a seismic area. They have a lot of earthquakes. And so um, another nonprofit had allowed them to use their proprietary system, where essentially what you do is you make squares of concrete, and then you slot them into these standing steel um, columns. And so what happens is when there's an earthquake, The panels, the concrete panels just slide up and down and the home doesn't come down. And then you just go back, re-spackle it, throw some more paint on and your home's good as new. Wow, (laughs) Wow.
1: that's incredible. (laughs) That is incredible. Have you seen the uh, 3D printed houses? I have, that's so cool. I I don't know if it's going to be viable ever in the future, but I mean, it's really, they're building these houses out of concrete and
2: rebar and, and steel, but it's all just 3D printed. It's crazy. Just a giant a giant machine spitting concrete out, it <laughs> like mean, lays it out on a it's a, have you seen a video of that happening? Yeah, it's it's a cool. very cool thing. I it's a, I mean it's a,
1: it's a huge it, emphasis on affordable housing. I mean, that's really what it's about these days. This whole program with Habitat for Humanity is creating affordable housing. And that is a that's resonating huge in our market. And there's a lot of things uh, at Par Lumber Company that we're trying to do and innovate to make affordable housing.
2: Yeah, they. You know, when you see the video, it kind of looks like it's going. It's going to be a, a Flintstone house or something, right? But it really <laughs> in the, but dirt in the, floors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in the end, it ends up being exactly like a normal home, just built for with so much less money in so much less time, uh with so much less resources. It looks
3: yeah. a heck of a lot easier. I'll say that much. I'm going to have say. to look into getting one of those machines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not for work, for personal use.
2: We were talking about. <laughs> Um, We were talking about how expensive materials and those things are, and we were talking about how expensive land is becoming and in how much short supply, and especially in certain areas like the Portland area. um, Do you find it difficult to find land in the Portland area?
3: So, yeah, it really is incredibly expensive in Portland. Um, and what I think I'll probably do is tell you a little bit more about that in the next segment, which will be coming up soon.
2: Oh, it sounds like you've got a lot to say about that. <laughs> I mean, I knew it was one of those things that uh, that would probably have a lot that had to be said about it. Who knew dirt was so expensive and so hard to get? Uh, we're going to take a quick break when we come back more with Habitat for Humanity. You're listening to Tony and Corey, Your your in Warriors. We'll be right back.
0: To the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us today. In the show, we've got Tor Ostrom with Habitat for Humanity and Malia Tam Singh with Habitat Restore. Uh, the Habitat Restore is an amazing store. If you've never been in one, you should probably find the nearest one. Um, Malia, tell us where the all of the ones in the Portland area, there's lots of stores. There's, they're in Bend, they're in Seattle, they're all over the place. But the you handle four of them, and they're all in the Portland metro area?
4: They are all in the metro area. So our Portland store is in the Mall 205 area. Our Clark County store is in the old Kurt Warner Chevrolet building right off of 205. <laughs> Our Beaverton location is right off of Millican Way at Milliken and Hawken. And our Gresham location is at the corner of 181st and Gleason. So if you do visit pdxrestore.org, you can find locations, location information and directions to all of those stores. And hours. What are the hours? Our hours are seven. We're open seven days a week from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Oh, so you perfect. can shop, donate, volunteer all of those hours. Are you guys in need, always in need of volunteers? always, we can always use volunteer help. Uh, Again, several different ways. And one that I didn't mention in the previous segment was we need driver's assistance. So, you know, we have drivers going out, trucks going out seven days a week and having a second person on the truck can really help us get more as well as make it a safer experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's fun to have a ride along buddy. It's like you're on a little mini road trip every day.
1: (laughs) And that's for the, the pickups What about the deconstruction? You guys do deconstruction of projects. If you have like an old kitchen or an old bathroom, you guys will come in, you pay them for money, you charge a fee, and then you come in and deconstruct all that stuff. Can you donate your time and help with that? Or is that only for the licensed guys?
4: You can absolutely donate your time. The projects are always run by or run by our licensed and bonded contractors, uh, but we definitely need volunteer help. And again, to uh, reassure those customers whose homes we are going into, those would be volunteers that are background checked as well. <laughs> sure,
2: yeah. sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. But
1: they are uh, licensed and bonded, so you don't have to worry about you know somebody slipping and falling in your property and them suing. The pants off of you. Yeah, exactly. Which is we, you know, we talk about that on their show all the time because people will go on to Craigslist and hire a general contractor. They come into their house, they do half the work and they say, all right, I'm out. See ya. And then they have no recourse because
2: yeah. they are not licensed. They are not bonded. That is so important. So important. Not to mention uh, licensed and licensed and bonded. Uh, oftentimes. Results in insured. Yes. And if somebody is on your property, falls down and hurts themselves, and they're not licensed to bonded and insured, you could be on the hook. Mm-hmm. It's going to end up costing you. Yeah. So those are, those are points that we make very regularly. So mm-hmm. I love that you guys are prepared for that. Corey and I would probably volunteer at Habitat for Humanity more, but we can't pass the. Yeah, you can't pass chat. me back yeah. Nobody's going to let you into yeah. their home. No. Maybe it, clean
4: up your record a little bit and then come yeah. out and okay. see yeah. us.
2: It's what we want to do. It really is what we want to do.
1: <laughs> so uh, let's talk about the Habitat business model a little bit. Let's start from the beginning to the end. Uh, requirements, applying. If one of our listeners out there is thinking to themselves, I would really love to get into this program. Let's talk about Let's go through the whole process.
3: Yeah, certainly. So there is an application process. In order to qualify for our program, you can make as little as $30,000 a year um, or up to 60% of median family income. Um, But to put it in perspective, the average family in our program makes $35,000 a year. Wow. Well, recently we made a change where a third of the homes that we build is going to go to families that make between sixty and eighty percent median family income, so up to fifty five thousand dollars, and that's to create a mixed income community, which has benefits for everybody. So we're really excited about that change, and those uh, first homes with that are coming up soon. Um, But so, what a family comes in, they get an application. It's fairly extensive. They fill that out, they bring it in, and then generally, what happens is that we would go out and visit your house. uh, Well your apartment, whatever it is, and assess the condition. Because we get so many applications, we have to prioritize um, families uh, that are in the biggest need. Now, that's our general model. Right now, actually, we're participating in the um, Portland North Northeast Portland Preference Policy, which is a policy that's um, been put in place by the city, and that's to re, uh, bring families back to North Portland that have been gentrified out. So for our next two projects, um, families can, uh, can qualify through that program. But generally, you'd come to the office, fill out an application. We're taking applications right now, actually. Um, once we've decided which families we're partnering with, and that's an equitable process where we're um, looking at their home conditions, essentially, and figuring out who's in the highest need. And then we'll give you a call and say, hey, you get a Habitat home. And so wow. then everybody goes wild. It's oh, awesome. Um, so then families uh, can start doing their sweat equity, taking their classes um, so that they're really ready to be set up for success. And then they move into their home and they're ready to go. It's pretty amazing.
2: I've decided what I want my volunteer time to be spent doing. I want to volunteer the maximum amount of time and I want to only be the guy who calls people and tells them that they're getting a house. <laughs> I'll pass that, that information. And so you get a house. And you get a house. And you get a house.
1: Like publisher's clearing house. You show up with a giant check. Yeah. yeah no, Tor's
4: the guy with the giant check. Yeah, I have a lot of those in my office. <laughs>
2: that's awesome. Yeah, that, that, that gets to be my job. And you can have all of my time. That's, that's uh, I can imagine that being literally the most rewarding thing anybody could ever do. So amazing to be able to tell somebody that they're going to get a house. That's phenomenal. I I just love that. I love it. So the
1: application process, do people just go onto the website? Do they go to habitat.org or go to the local?
3: So the local um, website, habitatportlandmetro.org. There's tons of information on there and they can learn about the process and hopefully get into a Habitat home.
1: So you you mentioned subdivisions, which kind of boggles my mind because I, I work with a lot of builders every day. That's my job for Par Lumber Company. I'm in contractor sales. I sell to builders who build subdivisions. And the hardest thing they can do right now is find property. I know before the break, we kind of mentioned it. How, how are you guys getting the property that you're building these subdivisions on?
3: Yeah, so as you know, um, generally you have to acquire that property quite a while in advance of when you're actually going to start building. There's a huge permitting process and all that. So we're always on the lookout for land. Um, We want to be the best stewards of the funds that are donated to Habitat that we possibly can. So we're always looking for a deal. And so we're lucky enough that with the Habitat name and our reputation locally that people do take us into account. So um, some of the properties that we acquire, we might get for half price. Um, That's the only way we've ever been able to build in southwest Portland um, was because a church sold us a property at half price and we recently purchased another property from a church at half price. But that also happens with individuals. So we've had straight up land donations. We've had lands uh, donated that had houses on them that we could either remodel or tear down. And because of zoning, we might be able to put, you know, 15 units on a property that had one house. And so we're always looking to be as efficient with our dollars and our resources as we possibly can. Um, But like I said, we're always looking for land and certainly for land donations. Um, So people can always contact us through the website.
1: So if you have a piece of property, if you're a landowner in Portland, metro area, and you want to donate, I mean, I don't see a better process, No, a, a better charity to donate your land to if you're looking to do that.
2: I feel like it's it's obviously subject to being able to be uh, partitioned or subdivided, yeah, right? It has to be able to be used. Yeah, uh, but if you have that opportunity, that's uh, what a great way to give back and be a part of the solution instead of a part of the problem. <laughs>
3: oh, it's huge. And we've been so lucky to have the community support. And we also have donors that come in and, you know, maybe we have a really compelling property that we can really upzone. Um, which is something we're doing right now um, for a property. But the donors will come in and help fund that uh, purchase so that we can land bank that to take it off the market and we can really take advantage of that up zoning.
1: Well, how long does it take typically for Habitat for Humanity to get into a piece of property and then start construction on it?
3: Yeah, it can, it can wildly vary. Um, you know, during the recession, we were actually written up in the New York Times for, um, we did some land banking, we saved up, uh, we bought enough property to last for five years without purchasing another property. So that was when prices were rock bottom. Um, and that was many years ago. And right now we're just wrapping up one of those projects. But sometimes we'll get a property and we can turn it around in two years. Um, you know, part of that's going to def- depend on whether or not there's any funding deadlines on it um, or different ways that we can take advantage. So
2: yeah i absolutely love that i can you believe this how fast this time is going we've only got one segment left so we're going to get a chance to talk to you both about uh, a little bit more one more time before we go you're listening to tony core your weekend words we'll be right back
0: Warriors Home Improvement Show built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. We're talking about uh, Habitat for Humanity today. We've got Tor Ostrom with the Habitat for Humanity construction side of the business and uh, Malia Tamsing with the Habitat for Humanity Restore. Uh, the ReStore is a...
2: Resource. Resource. <laughs> it's a store. I heard you say it earlier, and I, you said ReStore, and I thought, resource! The ReStore is a huge resource. Yeah, for
1: building materials, for uh, repurposing and uh, recycling used materials, or even new materials. So if you've got a project that you're working on, head over to the ReStore, see what they've got. It changes daily. Uh, They get donations like crazy. You actually were telling us during the break, you've got a huge project that you're deconstructing and bringing to the Restore.
4: So we are actually not deconstructing this particular project. It's a bit of a hybrid between our salvage services program and our pickup service, though. So we are working with a demolition contractor called Laneco, and they are taking down a 9000 square foot home in Carlton, Oregon. And it is a beautiful home. And they're completely it's it's all coming down. Um, And so the owner actually decided that instead of throwing those materials away and just dozing the house, they wanted them to go to us, which is fantastic. I'm so glad and grateful that they thought of us. 9,000 square feet. 9,000 square feet of cabinetry, lumber, trim lighting it's just it's absolutely mind blowing and that is going to all four of our locations it it is so much stuff that it's not any t- one of our stores can <laughs> it's take gonna take all, all four
2: locations to house all that stuff it's a lot of material 9000 square feet wow what an amazing opportunity it is it's fantastic
1: so if you're if you're in the middle of a construction project or you're getting ready to start one i mean that's a really good like tony said resource to go check out maybe there's some materials there that you can use
2: I'm reuse gonna, i'm going to give you one perfect example uh, Corey and I both have cabinets in our garage, uh, because cabinets in the garage is a great way to store your paints and your stains and your tools, tools and all your stuff, right? Um, but cabinets are kind of expensive. Well, guess what? You get onto the restore. Cabinets are not expensive. They're inexpensive and they're there and they're perfect for your garage or you know uh, your remodel if you were doing something like that. That's just a tip. That's a pro tip right there. habitat for manager restore. Tip. Week, weekly pro tip <laughs> weekly pro tip <laughs> so uh
1: tor, tor let's talk a bit a little bit more about the habitat for humanity uh let's recap some of the things that we've talked about during the show today if somebody wants is interested what are some of the things that somebody can do to come out to help the habitat for humanity
3: yeah as i said there's a number of different ways to uh, help out habitat for humanity there's working on the build side or in the office restore um And also, obviously, financially, there's different ways to contribute to us. Uh, For volunteer opportunities or to donate, you can go to our website, habitatportlandmetro.org. But a great way to get involved with Habitat and learn more is to attend the Hope Builder Breakfast coming up April 29th. It's a one-hour event. We keep it to that, so you're in and out before work. Um, And we have a really, really great keynote speaker this year. I'm not allowed to announce it yet because we're saving up for the big reveal. Oh, man. Um, Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. Jimmy, dang it. You guessed it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But last year we had author Cheryl Strayed. And uh, as soon as we announced that, we sold out real quick. Um, Sponsorships are available right now. Like I said, Par Lumber is a fantastic sponsor of that event, as well as our um, auction, which comes up in October. And that's an incredible event as well. If you sponsor both, you get a discount.
2: Wow. Auction. That's something we haven't done before.
4: Uh, have we? I not we?
2: I think I might enjoy that. I'm not sure.
4: I think you would. You should definitely. We will make sure you get the information. Sign We're, me
2: up for that. The where hard do you hat
4: get? <laughs> black tie auction at the Portland
3: Art Museum October oh, yeah, 4th. I feel like awesome. I've been to that. Maybe. Uh, where do you get the things that you auction off? So we just reach out to organizations that are local um, and also our board member. And we have an auction committee that are incredible about getting donations for us and we have some people that work at really incredible organizations like Bullard um and all our lumber par lumber is our favorite they all every year they donate a great barbecue either a traeger or a green mountain yes um, my man brian over there always hooks that up he drops it by the office and i'm tempted to put it in the back of my car and take it home but <laughs> yeah. wouldn't be very good to steal from habitat for humanity no. i guess no
2: that is bad karma baby you don't even <laughs> want to go there
4: also to give par some other props too you guys. Have showed up several times for events that we've hosted in the store, um, in our stores with grand openings, and put on a full barbecue spread for nice. our customers, our shoppers, our our volunteers. So thank you for that. Yeah,
1: that's well, Tony awesome. and I have personally recorded live. Shows from those events as well. Let's yeah. make that happen again. Huge draw, huge draw. Yeah, I remember at least one person <laughs> coming in
3: asking for directions. Yeah, <laughs> saying,
1: "You're in my spot."
2: Yeah, <laughs> uh, away. Yeah, it's uh, it's a great. Those are great events. And Habitat for Humanity is a great company. Par Lumber Company is a great company. The reason why our two companies um, mesh so well together is because their heart is in the right place. They both want to be. Um, A part of the solution. They want to give back they want to build up the community around them because because a successful community results in successful business. That's really what it's about. And so um, not taking care of the community around you is is ultimately not the right solution. You have to you have to be a part.
3: Well, and Par Lumber's a fantastic supporter of not just Habitat for Humanity, Portland Metro East, but all over the state. And we really appreciate it. Every interaction I've ever had with their staff has been incredible. You should go buy a lot of stuff from their people.
2: Yeah, well, they're Par Lumber Company, family-owned company, and uh, they care about their people. They care about their community, and uh, they care about the consumers. So it's, uh, it's, great. it's a great partnership. Let's try Do you have any
1: statistics on families and... How many families have you guys helped, and how many houses have you built? Do you have? Do you know? Yeah, he said it at the the very beginning. Right off the the top of your head. Yeah, I
3: think we've built about 370 homes in uh, Portland, so um, that's a lot of families that we've served. But also through our exterior home repair program, we've served a lot more families. Um, That's
1: something we haven't really talked about the exterior maintenance program, or what what did you call
3: that? Exterior home repair is what we call it. Um, So that it's not just the building itself, but it could be the property. We've had people who You know, they're older, they can't physically get out and clean up their lawn. Um, They maybe had a bunch of things stored out there. And so we can come in and clean all that up. The biggest need that we found, though, is for new roofs. As you guys know, once your roof starts to leak, your house is going to start falling apart. Right. Um, And a lot of people, maybe they can't afford that $15,000, $20,000, whatever the cost is of that new roof. So they can come to us and we can make it happen. So they can find out more about that at our website. I'll say it for the 15th time, habitatportlandmetro.org. Um, that's where all the good information is. But this is a really important program for us. We started it in the Coley neighborhood specifically. We've made a commitment to that community, both through new home construction, exterior home repair, and our partnership with Living Coley, which is an organization that's made up of um, four nonprofits, Hacienda, CDC, NAA, Verde, and Habitat for Humanity. Um, and really the... The genesis of that, uh, well, we got together, and one of the things we were able to do is we were able to purchase, uh, for lack of a better term, former Gentleman's Club. And now um, we bought that, and now through another partnership, that's going to be turned into affordable rentals and affordable homeownership units. Coming wow. up. And that was in the Coley neighborhood. It was- called the Sugar Shack and now it's going to be called something far better.
1: Wow, all right. Yeah. That's a that is a really cool program. How does somebody get to Can you can obviously volunteer for that, I imagine?
3: We do have some volunteer opportunities for that. Um and I can coordinate all that. People can reach me on my email at tor t o r at habitatportlandmetro.org for information on any of the things that we've discussed today.
2: Totally. And when people want to volunteer at a restore, one of your restores, how do they get started? They go to your website, probably, or?
4: Yes, they can go to our website, pdxrestore.org. Just visit our volunteer page.
2: And then they'll have an idea of what types of things that they can be doing and and uh, whether they're equipped or not equipped. And you said no experience necessary. No experience necessary. You have necessary. something for everyone. Good attitude. Everyone. That's right. Good attitude. Yes. Background check. <laughs>
4: yes. And background check.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's easy, I feel like, for most people
1: let's uh, let's recap again the need that surrounds families right now.
3: It's the need in Portland is so pressing. What we're finding is as the costs of um of rental and home ownership have gone up in Portland, wages have stayed relatively flat in comparison. And so families, especially lower income families, are being pushed farther and farther out of town. And these are the people that are helping the city run. They're cab drivers, they're bank tellers they're. Um, you know, people that do all sorts of different things that make the day-to-day life work in Portland, but they're being pushed so far out, you know, Gresham and farther that it's hard, you know, the cost of commuting in gets more expensive. They might have to move their kids uh, to a different school because they can't stay in the neighborhood because it's gotten too expensive. So it's just really pressing that we're able to, um, to preserve affordable home uh, home ownership, opportunities in Portland. And that's why one of the things that we're doing is we've gone to a permanent affordability model moving forward. So if a family purchases a Habitat home now, and then 35 years down the road, they want to sell that house, they still have to sell it to a family in that same income bracket. So wow. okay. that's affordable into perpetuity.
2: Yeah. So you, you have the investment there uh, in, in the long-standingness of those homes Malia and Tor thank you so much for being with us it's all the time we've got you've been listening to another Weekend Warriors episode right here on the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Network have a great week